welcome back to another episode of the Silver Bullet Saga podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Vonderhaar. We're coming off of a wild week last week, folks. Ohio State walks into Bloomington and walks out. I mean, champions, maybe not the right word, definitely victorious. But, you know, if you were to tell me a year from last year, the last time we played Indiana, we we kind of we, we got out to an early lead back in 2020 in the condensed season last year. And we, we kind of, it seemed like kind of started resting on our laurels, uh, you know, after halftime of last year's game and really let Indiana walk, you know, right back into it. And in the end, actually make it a seven point, a one score game. And they had the ball with a chance to tie it. Now, we don't put a lot of faith into the ESPN win predictability stat, but during that game, the lowest Ohio State's win probability was, was I believe 90%. That was as low as it ever got. So even though the box score makes it look, you know, pretty close, maybe, maybe it wasn't that close in reality if you were watching the game. Re, you know, fast forward a year later, we we had this big buildup to this year's game. A lot of folks, um, I think a lot of Indiana fans definitely were pretty upset over the way the Big Ten handled uh, who would be the representative in the Big Ten championship last year in 2020 after they were, and we mentioned it last podcast but change the rule in order to let Ohio State in we obviously in Buckeye Nation believe that that was the right decision because Ohio State was the best team they are the best team in the conference so fast forward a year later we were thinking we would see some kind of spunkiness maybe some kind of magic some kind of weirdness from Indiana that might be able to keep this game close ladies and gentlemen this game was over very quickly and for those of you who did not have other things to do on Saturday night uh, you got to sit through what was a pretty boring second half of an Ohio State football game. Uh, with me tonight, uh, we are out. Uh, our normal co-host, Adam Vonderhaar, he's out weathering the weather and uh, the, the, the blowing winds and pouring rain of Preble County this evening. And for some reason, his rural internet is not going to let him join. But we're very excited to introduce, uh, I don't remember if this is, I think this is his third appearance on the podcast. Um one of my best buddies and definitely one of the best Ohio State fans uh, I know, Abram Zehenbauer. Abram, how are we doing uh, Great, this evening? Great. You know, the, yeah, you're correct. This is my uh, this is my third time uh, being on. I'm happy to join. Happy to, you know, really, uh, really, you know, take over for Adam here. You know, who knows? Who knows? We'll, you know, we might see, uh, you know, like like Ohio State many a times when, uh, you know, when, when the starter goes down, we just, you know, we just get another starter in there when, you know, they take over and they, you know, who knows, win the national championship, you know, those, those type of things, you know, that that's how I'm going to view myself in this. I, I, I see us here on the Silver Bullet Saga. We, we do not rebuild. We reload. And that's what we're rolling forward here with tonight. Abram, for the folks at home, um, obviously I can see you in front of me on the video screen, but what I'm looking at so I can paint a picture, um, Abram is, is sitting in front of me on his zoom screen and he's got a green and gold Super Bowl Packers Jersey on, as well as a green and white pioneer hat. Uh, do you want to talk about those two things just for a couple seconds to start the show off? Yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously the, uh, the Jersey here, um, Super Bowl patch, uh, for those of you that can't see at home, there's a, got my Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl MVP, uh, Jersey on as they are playing tonight against the Arizona Cardinals, 11 minutes left in the first quarter. Uh, Green Bay has the ball, no score. So there, that's the update there. Love it. Love it. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then the pioneer hat just kind of ties in with it as I, uh, 
that is what I do for my job. Um, I sell Pioneer seats. So if you're out there in the state of Ohio, uh, maybe not through me, but if you find your local Pioneer dealer, remember tomorrow's the last day for early invoicing. So get those seed orders in. So you'll, you'll, uh, those of you farmers at home and all across the state, you'll be hearing that the day of, this is your notice uh, to contact your local Pioneer dealer to get those invoices in for that discount that Abram talked about. So we, we know our audience and obviously that is to our audience. Um, Abram, thanks for the description there. For those of you who don't know or who do know Abram, he's a big hat guy. So anytime uh, he is wearing, you know, a different kind of hat, I always like to ask him about it. Uh, to the point where, you know, it, he's a hack guy. And if I describe him with another couple of words, he's a company man. So whoever, you know, whoever he works for, he, he, he's got to get the right logo and the right color combination. So tonight he's got the perfect green uh, to match his, uh, his Green Bay Packers green and gold uh, jersey he's got on. So with that, we will start talking a little bit more about Indiana. I mean, folks, if you are an Ohio State fan here in the year of our Lord 2021 and you have trust in Ryan Day, there is no better you know, example of an offensive game uh, for what you know, ideally Ryan Day is looking for in his offense than we got last Saturday. C.J. Stroud goes 21 for 28, 266 yards through the air, which sounds you know, low. They, he could have thrown for 600. I mean, it was like everything was open. You had guys running all over the field. Um, he, he was, he's averaging right now about 10 yards per completion, which is great Four touchdowns on Saturday versus Indiana and zero interceptions. So that's three games in a row. CJ's rolling with no turnovers, which is terrific when we get to this time of year. Uh, he checks out at, with a QBR rating of 97.8, which is terrific. And I believe leading, uh, all college quarterbacks in his QBR rating heading out of this week. We will get on that and more after we chat a little bit more about this game. Uh, different week, same story when it comes to true freshman Travion Henderson, number one recruit out of his, uh, running back class, nine carries, 81 yards, nine yards, average per carry, two touchdowns and a 25 yard long broke off, uh, uh, touchdown run. The dude's an animal. I mean, there, there's nothing else to say. He's, he's, as a true freshman, he's as exciting as any other player in college football today. And, you know, for that to be the reality and for Ohio State fans to sit at home and know we have at least two more years with this guy, it's a crazy thing to think about. So as long as we can keep him healthy, you know, he, he's going to be exciting to watch for a long time here. And I think uh, it's pretty hard to argue with Ryan Day's decision to, to keep his load pretty light here through the beginning part of the season uh, because he is truly an X factor in any game we're going to be in down the road. He's a guy that can turn the game on its head. He can take the game over and to have somebody like that in your running back room is a pretty unbelievable thing. Uh, the wide receivers, this is as spoiled as we'll ever be as a fan base. And, and I'll talk about a, a little bit more in depth here in a second, but I want to turn to Abram. Abram, Ohio state walks out of Bloomington, Indiana, victors 54, 54 points to Indiana seven. Obviously, it was a, just a we were just raining touchdowns on Saturday. Uh, so a couple highlights on the defense, but I want to go to you. What was the uh, best thing, best performance, best thing you saw last Saturday against Indiana? I mean, you, you hit on all the key ones, you know, Travion and, uh, and CJ there. Um, in terms of receiving, uh, I, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at stats here, and I'd like to point out two um, people who made uh, major receptions. That's uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jeremy Ruckert. So, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, 
has been the the secret key weapon in the receiving core this entire year. Everyone knows Chris Olave. Everyone knows Garrett Wilson. And then, boom, here comes Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's able to make those same circus catches. And people forget he exists every single game. They're they're doubling Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave every single game. And and here and here's Jackson just wide open. You know, for them from them little crossing routes, them little uh, you know ten yard flag you know flag posts and stuff like that. Um, and then obviously Jeremy Rucker, you know, what do you have? Two touchdowns, uh, you know, and then, you know, big, big night for, for tight ends. You know, we're getting, we're getting Jeremy Ruckert in there. Uh, you know, we're getting some major plays from our boy, uh, Cade, um, yep. you know, 18 yard pat, you know, you know, that's stuff like that. Just, uh, you know, here and there and everywhere. Um, but yeah, I do want to bring something up though. As much as I, as much as I loved this game and as much as, I loved all the stats and every, and, you know, you just go down through the stat line. Everyone had a great game. I, I am pretty disappointed, Ryan. I got to tell you, um, huge disappointed, huge disappointment in this team. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's that, it's that we broke the streak for uh, pick sixes. I mean, what are you doing out there? Catch a, catch an interception and run it back for God's sake. Cause it's not that hard. Just do it. Like agreed. I mean, if I'm, if I'm the defensive coordinator, I'm saying cut everybody, you know, yeah, we walk out yeah. of that game. No, no defensive turnovers for the first time in four games. I, I, it was so funny. We were sitting around watching, watching the second half, Adam and I were watching and I was like, honestly, I mean, what, how do you even force a turnover at this point of the game? Because Indiana's trying to walk off the field with their, you know, tail between their legs. They're not taking any more shots. And and that literally, that that's how good the game went, that that was the thing I was most upset about in the second half was there's really no chance we're going to get a defensive score. Now, we did get a safety. We for, did get a safety. Well, I, well, maybe the first time this season, unless I'm, misre- unless I'm forgetting about something. So that was a pretty great, you know, obviously play for the defense, but yeah, no pick six. <laughs> so, so what's that, what's that put us at then? Uh, is that five games where we've had a defensively scored point? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think it just changes uh, the wording. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just changed the wording there. But uh, so I get, yeah. Okay. Okay. The streak continues, you know, <laughs> we'll take it. Right. We'll give it for we'll give it <laughs> No, I wanted to just double back on your point about Jackson Smith and Jigba. What a story, you know, for him coming into this season, you've got two, top guys and when we say top right maybe one and two in the country as far as wide receiver talent coming back uh and then jackson smith and jigba you can just tell he's really found his role on this team and the thing that was most exciting i think was just how comfortable it looked between cj and him it was like uh you know maybe cj goes through two reads and he knows he's got Njigba open no matter what and he can go to him as a check down which is insane because Njigba's got the athleticism to be able to turn you know, a five yard play through the slot into, you know, 15, 20 yards after the catch. And and that's a credit to, you know, really all of our top receivers, Wilson and Olave are great at it too. Uh, But for him to see him take that step and he, he uh, just short of a hundred yards, he had six catches for 99 yards, which is great to see Um, really just a big step, I think, in his development and his confidence. And, you know, that's what we want to see, especially we know pretty much guaranteed which is maybe more of a conversation for the offseason if it's not guaranteed. But, you know, CJ is going to be our starter next year. He's proven, right, that he is the guy for the job unless somebody can take it from him. So what else, you know, other than us chasing a national championship this season, what else do we need? Well, we need development from the young guys, and we need to see that connection grow from the young guys. So him and him, Jackson Smith and CJ having that connection is an awesome thing to see. The last thing I wanted to touch on 
for the game against Indiana, just flipping to the other side of the ball. We, we mentioned the safety, which was terrific. I mean, just great to capitalize on that. Um, five sacks, which uh, I don't know if that is a season high, but just if you were watching the game and using the stupid word, right, the eyeball test, I think you would say that the defensive line got as much penetration as it's gotten pr- probably in any game this season as far as getting to a quarterback who's actually throwing the ball. Um, Zach, uh, Zach Harrison records another or uh, he notches one today. We talked about it in our group chat earlier this week, Abram, that, you know, if this defense, I think right now they've elevated themselves to good. If they are going to get to a place where they are elite and that we can stop the top offenses, you know, around the rest of the country, I think it starts and ends with Harrison and his leadership on the defensive line and him getting, you know, disruption to the quarterback. Um, Anything else you'd like to share about the defense before we move on? No, you're exactly right. Um, Just, uh, you know, I, I, like you said, I think they need that someone on that defensive line needs to just take it up. You know, they're, they're doing great, but they just need to take it up a half a notch. Because that's the difference between, you know, that, that defensive line is where it starts. That's where they, they're creating pressures. And then that, that QB is pressured to throw. And then they're making an off throw. And then, the, you know, the corner is able to come up with a pick or, or you know, even just a swat down. Like, that's the, the entire defensive structure starts on that defensive line. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think going forward we're going to start seeing that a little bit more as they, as they come into the season. So. Completely agree. And I love hear Ryan Day talk about this because obviously he is an offensive coach. And that's where his expertise is when he's asked about the defense and some of the things that they can improve on. You know, one of the things he always says is, right, like, oh, you know, if he's asked, you know, why is the secondary getting burned a couple times or why is the defensive line not getting to the quarterback maybe enough? It's all about the partnership. You know, if you've got enough pressure getting to the quarterback, the quarterback has to make throws he doesn't want to make or he has to make throws quicker than he was anticipating. If your defensive backs can't cover the receivers long enough, it doesn't matter how quick, you know, the defensive line gets to the quarterback because the ball's going to be out too quick. So it's, it's just a it's a it's a really <clears throat> exciting, I think, matchup heading into this week. And, and I think we'll turn the page and, and kind of turn things over here into Penn State, folks. This is Abram. I don't know where it is for you. I would probably consider it the second best rivalry Ohio State has uh, with Penn State. Um it's not a rivalry. Oh, that's a good point. It's not a rivalry. It's just a, a tough competition. Maybe you want to talk on that a little bit, folks, for the folks at home. Um, Abram, you know, lives up in in what we would call Northeast Ohio. I think that there's no, you know, no problem explaining it in that way. And some of the, his coworkers, maybe the majority, I don't know if his coworkers are big Penn State Nittany Lion fans. So maybe Abram, you want to just talk, talk about that, like living with folks maybe that are, are trash talking a little bit, living with people who root for the blue and white, you know, just, just give us a, a glance into your life. Yeah. So um, essentially it has to do with, uh, it goes, or I guess back to the fact that both Ohio state and Penn state are both land great land grant institutions. Um, and so being in the uh, agronomy world that I am, um, I, I tend to run into agronomy people from, from that side of the, uh, from that side of the country there in, in uh, happy Valley. But uh, yeah, essentially um, my territory for pioneer sales, uh, used to be, um, part of the Western PA group as well. Manager was a Penn state grad. And then my direct superior at the, at the agronomy location that I work was also a Penn state grad. Um, so, and we would have our meetings for pioneer at Penn state. Um, so I, I tended, I tend to, uh, 
get a lot of flack. Uh, I, I remember back to when I did my internship with the same company and uh, we had a big meeting at, at Penn State. And this was this was the summer after we won the national championship game. So she's taking us on a tour of, the, of their beautiful campus. Oh, look how beautiful it is. And here I am walking around with a Ohio State 2015 college football playoff national championship t-shirt and everyone's staring at me and I just I beautiful. Her smile. So yeah, I, I, it's um, and to, to the point where like going on, you know, year after year here, uh, whenever I would receive emails um, for the territory from my territory manager from Pioneer, um, around this time of year, it would be included with a, like some sort of like, um, you know, exciting statement about, you know, get out there and, and, you know, if you don't think you can do it, just remember that Penn State blocked the field goal in 2016 and they, they didn't think they could do it, but they did it. Um, and, the, and he eclipsed this video and he, you know, he would do this every single year. And like in 2017, 2018, it's like, yeah, you know, we kind of deserve this. You know, that did happen. But here I am in 2021 and I'm still receiving DMs from these people with that video. And I'm like, it's all oh, five year anniversary. It's like, yeah, it's been five years. What happened in the four years post that? Yeah. Um, so maybe get over yourselves here. Hey, Abram, I want to stop you there because that's the perfect transition into this game. That that last thing you said, I l- let me let me lay this out for you, and and maybe you believe this. I found it pretty hard to believe until I kind of read up on more of the context around it. But here's a stat for you: Penn State is the only team in the Big Ten that has never lost five games in a row to Ohio State. They are the last one in the conference. This Saturday, interesting. This this Saturday would make five in a row since that very blocked punt that that your uh, your coworkers like to talk about. So I, I have this on a long list of kind of fun things that we have to talk about for the Penn State game. But you know, historically, that's the top of the list, right? The last fifteen years, maybe a little less. You could say ten years if you are an Ohio State detractor we have owned this conference there's no there's no argument about that you know so many teams have been dominated by us yes do we slip up yes do we have a purdue one year do we have an iowa one year we do you know sometimes we trip up on on teams that are not as good as us but there's a reason that we know those games by name right we lose maybe one game a season there's no other team in the big 10 that can say anything like that and for penn state to make it to 2021 without losing five in a row is kind of a testament really to them I w- i'll give them you know their props or whatever if they want to have that now I-, I will say i don't think that this game's going to be close on saturday and i think that you know we'll talk a little bit more about that a- as we roll on but i wanted to start the podcast with that you know not only do we have the intrigue of this being a top 20 matchup. It should be a top 10, but Penn State kind of handled that business on their own. We, we'll talk about that more in a moment, how embarrassing they are uh, as a team in this, even in this division this year. Um, but I, I want to, I, I kind of want to go, I'm, I'm trying to think how I'd like to do this. I think I want to talk, I've got a few kind of topics I want to roll through, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the game itself. And I think the first thing I w- I'd like to mention is James Franklin, the head guy over there at Penn State, who inarguably has done a nice job as the head coach over there. They're a respectable program. I was proud of them for beating Auburn at their wideout this year. That was a great win for the Big Ten. That's a that's a terrific thing. He's got the program in a good spot. The problem for Penn State is as long as Ohio State owns 
this conference, Penn State's spot is somewhere between two and four uh, with the other with with the other big names. Now, James Franklin has made them the most respectable, I would say, of those three over the over his tenure. Um, but we kind of walk into a unique situation this week. USC has publicly announced they are making a nationwide search to repl- to find their new head coach for next season. LSU down in the SEC, just three years removed themselves from a national championship, have decided to preemptively let Coach O go three years removed from a national championship. So he's kind of a, a dead man walking, right? Because at the end of the year, he's going to be released from his contract. All of that to say, a lot of needles, a lot of murmurs around the U.S. right now is that James Franklin is being looked at for both of those jobs, potentially. Maybe he's not either of their first choice, but a lot of times in college football, you don't get your first choice. You know, things have to things have to fall perfectly in sequence. You can remember back in, uh, what is it, right, 2011 or 20, right, right in there when Urban gets announced – Uh, that he's going to be the new head coach at Ohio State. That deal was all secretly done behind the scenes with perfect timing and obviously Urban's health coming back to him for him to be able to to say yes and come back home to his home state in Ohio. We're so glad that he did, um, obviously. But with this situation, I don't think it's a perfect fit for either program. I see USC as more of that flashy, you know, West Coast vibe that it seems like James Franklin wants. and Abram, I'm going to give you a chance to chime in here. I know I'm kind of on a rant with this, but this week, James is approached in the press conference, right? Hey, you know, there's rumors going around. You might be interested in the USC job. You just fired your agent. Alarm bells rolling off, you know, in, in the distance. You just fired your agent and rehired or hired a new agent who is kind of I don't have the guy's name in front of me. Our, our listeners don't really care about that, but he's the number one guy. I mean, he, he represents all of the top uh, college football coaches in the country. I believe he's Urban's agent, lives in a huge house because he signs big deals that make big money. Um, I, I think I heard Bobby Carpenter this week say that he's kind of the SEC's guy. He's got his, his hand on the pulse, which made him think that maybe Franklin was leaning more towards LSU. All of that to say, this week he, he's asked about those opportunities and he says, you know, folks, I, I, I'm not even going to touch on any of that, that stuff. We're, we're only, the only thing we're focused on here is Illinois this weekend, which is a great answer. That's what you want to hear your, your coach say, except this Saturday, they're playing Ohio state. And, you know, you, you can say that as some kind of brain or a brain fart or a gaff or anything like that, but he reaffirms it a few questions later. And once again, repeats that he he's just looking towards Illinois this weekend. That's where all of his attention is. So you, you give him two, right? Uh, What is George Bush's quote? Uh, Won't be, won't be filled again. Um, They ask him one more time, you know, are you interested in any of these, these programs that are out there? He says, listen, folks, we're just trying to get ready to play in the big house this weekend, which is obviously uh, that team up North's stadium. We play here in Ohio stadium, the horseshoe in Columbus. So with those three things mentioned in the press conference and him physically looking distracted, Abram, why don't you chime in on that? Do you have any thoughts? Do you think, do you think he's gone? Do you think there's a chance he breaks Saturday? You know, what, what's the future for James? Um, 
I'm going to be optimistic because that's uh, that's the best way I like to do it, and and you know assume assume the worst case scenario for my own personal uh, situations, um, and and likenesses. So obviously that would be best case, you know, like this, you know, just kind of blowing up in their face would be but you know best case scenario, but. I, I, there's something, I'm just afraid that there's something fishy going on with all this stuff. And I know we're going to get into, you know, Sean Clifford's health and, and all these other things going on with Penn state. And, you know, um, just want to bring back to that same 2016 year. They were two losses. They had a really bad loss to Pitt. Um, it's very similar to that, to this year. Now, I don't know if the coaching distractions were there, but I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm prefacing all my statements by saying agreed. No, I that, agree. That, that I'm afraid that this is some sort of fake out. And they're going to step up for their coach type of situation. That being said, um, I think that's interesting that that coach kind of, or that, that his, uh, his new supposed agent um, is kind of a, an SEC type of, um, you know, grasp on everything. Um, yeah. I, I just feel like from his, his, you know, that my thought process goes in two different directions. Okay. So he's, he's originally from, Pennsylvania um so this would kind of be his home major program to coach kind of in the way the urban like didn't technically go I mean other than his graduate school didn't technically yep. go to they didn't he didn't play there but that was his home major power five conference school um so that would be kind of be you know Franklin for them but at the same time you have uh, the SEC job and LSU, he used to coach in the SEC at Vanderbilt so that's you know maybe like well you know I really want to get into th that side of things or, you know, is he, is he thinking USC in terms of like, um, you know, what other schools other than, you know, you're, you're talking blue chip programs or blue chip programs. I mean, you could probably make a case for Penn State, but like, you know, USC is, is one of the, the places. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Abram, I, I, Abram, that, that, here's how I see it with those just we'll quickly do those jobs. I see Penn State is a great job. I yeah. would say it's, it's probably top 15 in the country as far as programs go. The issue with Penn State, right? is that it's probably the third or maybe tied for fourth best job in the Big Ten, I, I would say. Now, USC is inarguably, well... First or second, maybe in the last decade, you know, with Oregon. Yeah, but... you, you, you kind of have to, yeah, for first or second in the Pac-12, you kind of have to qualify this, right? Because when Pete Carroll were, was there, I would say it was a top three college oh, yeah. football job. Uh, now because they've fallen off because the Rams are back in LA because the Dodgers are good. You've got so many distractions out there that USC doesn't own the town as far as a sports thing goes anymore. So there may be more of, I would say they're top 10 still just because of the, the fame and the allure and Hollywood, you know, everything that goes along with it. Um, but it's still a step up. And I think that it's, it's going to be attractive or right now is attractive to Franklin because like I said, I think he's done a fine – he's done as good a job as a head coach in the Big Ten as anybody outside of Ohio State has in the last, you know, 10 years, essentially. That, that Maybe not, you know, obviously you got other guys like Ference and uh, the job Chris has done out at Wisconsin. But, you know, he, he's steadily competing in the East, which is – it's got a ceiling. It's got a very low ceiling if you're not Ohio State. And if you can't find yeah. a, a way to beat Ohio State, so he's I, kind of I, this, he's kind uh, of this half of the decades, D'Antonio, like where, yes, you know, yeah. he's 
you know, you're, you're going to get, you're going to get your, your teams that upset Ohio state, your, your Purdue's and I was in the world, but in terms of like teams that are able to play on a consistently high level. And then in the biggest moment, which in this case has, would be in the game against Ohio state, like he's at least either beaten them once or shown up to pretty yeah. much every, you know, minus the COVID game, like every I was going to say, I think we've got one blowout. Like it's, it's, it's always been something that's always been a, a little over a score or within a one score game. So yeah, I, I, I would totally agree. I don't think you can do any better in division with Ohio state than Penn state's done, um, you know, these last few years. And part of that goes to recruiting too, right? We opened this part of Ohio State schedule with, you know, there's no secret. There's only three other teams in the division that have even comparable NFL talent on their roster. Uh, Penn State's one of, it's, it's all of our rivals. I mean, it, it's Penn State. Uh, Michigan State did well in the portal this offseason. They're doing a nice job up there in East Lansing. And then Harbaugh, you know, he, he gets a ton of guys drafted each year, but you, you don't see it in the game. But anyway, this opens that stretch. And Adam and I have said it so many times uh, already on the podcast this season, but I think it was Trestle's quote, October or September's for pretenders, November's for contenders. Well, October 30th is our last game in October. And it's time to decide if the Buckeyes are going to enter November as absolute favorites slash, I mean, absolute favorites to make the playoff at least. But, you know, I think that this game is going to shape our expectations um, a little bit even more for what the end of the season could look like. So with that, James Franklin to the side, we'll see how that impacts the guys on Saturday. You're, you're totally right. It's either he's lost the locker room or they feel like they're going to play for this guy, whether he's, you know, staying or going, we'll, we'll get to see that. The other, a couple other big storylines. Um, I think we'll do this and then we'll get into the players. Ohio State's Block O Club, which is the student organization associated with the Ohio State football team and several of the athletic programs, announced on Instagram on Tuesday that they are looking for student volunteers to help get to the stadium early on Saturday to distribute 100,000 red towels in the stadium. So I think that this is I, I'm, I'm excited about this for the very least that it looks like Ohio State is investing in an in-stadium experience to try and make it actually look like something on TV, like we're actually going to try and make an impact, right? For so long, Ohio State has said, no, nah, we have so many people that we don't have to do that much as far as promos uh, go. Well, a few games here into 2021, the shoe is no longer guaranteed to sell out every Saturday. For the first time ever, what which game was it at the beginning of the season? Uh, we we broke into like the seventy thousands, like for the first time since uh, it was a crazy. St- it was like nineteen sixty two or something like that. Yeah, Fifties like or seventies or something yeah. like that. So you know, call it a promo or a gimmick, whatever. I think it's going to be an awesome scene, and uh, you and I are both going to be there on Saturday. So why don't Abram? You have been to a Penn State wideout in Happy Valley. Maybe just talk a little bit about that. What was the experience like? Did you feel like it made an impact? Yeah, um, just a quick run through. Um, it definitely makes an impact. Um, just the shape, that shape of that stadium is so different. Um, for those listeners at home, like you've obviously been in the high stadium, it's got its long ends and then it's got its short ends. It's short ends, the end zone, you know, it, it follows the shape of the field. 
that is not the case for for Beaver Stadium. You know, it's it's like it's it's got four long ends, or it, it really the long ends are actually the end zones. It's it's a really weird setup, and it just creates this this sound drone that's really unique. Um, yeah, it's uh, it definitely it definitely affects them. Um, you know, I watching the Illinois game. They were they were talking multiple times about uh, during the during the nine overtimes uh, about how Illinois was choosing to play in different end zones based on uh, where the student section was, just so they didn't have to try and score into the student section. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely makes the case. Uh, but yeah, I, one of the things that I, I dislike, <laughs> this kind of gets into some of the other Penn State, you know, at Penn State stuff, um, you know, famed uh, Ohio State former quarterback, Kirk Herbstreet, uh, normally is the one calling the, uh, the whatever the whiteout game is for ESPN. And he always talks about this is the greatest, uh, ex- this is the great, if, if you want to experience college football, this has got to be a, a bucket list item. Okay, yes, great. But that's easier for him to say, considering he can jump in a, in a helicopter and be out of the, you know, be out of the state yeah. in, in 10 minutes. Yeah. Happy Valley or, or what state college, Pennsylvania is not, does not have the same infrastructure as Columbus, Ohio, in terms of highways, in terms of roads. I mean, sitting, we were sitting in traffic to get parked for hours because it's a, it's a really big game and stuff like that, but that, that's getting into the weeds and everything. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's a pretty cool experience, I guess. Um, me and a friend of the program, Stan, sat beside each other. Um, there was some berating going on. Um, I don't want to get into that because that, you know, I'm sure that happens at every every university, you know, for opposing fans. But, uh, yeah, it, it, I guess it was an experience, to say the least. I, I would say I'm probably not going to do it again unless, you know, maybe, Ryan, you want to go at some point yeah, well- in the future. Um, you'll have to intrigue me by making it so I don't have to be the one to drive. Or, no, or I hear you. Yeah. Something of that no. nature. Um Low key fact, uh, didn't know this. Can't buy alcoholic beverages at a gas station. So, and you can't bring alcohol into the state. So, make sure you figure out how to buy some some beverages <laughs> before getting into the town because it's impossible. So, <laughs> no, I and that's why I wanted to talk to you about this because you and Adam both went on that uh, trip over to the whiteout um, back in 2018, and had I mean almost had the worst experience ever, obviously, but then. Ohio State comes back on the comeback led by Dwayne Haskins that year. Uh, one of the one of the, probably the cooler endings to an Ohio State game ever. Uh, and you walk out of there kind of silencing that whiteout crowd. Um, you know, hopefully we get something similar. And I really do think that the fans are have been eager for this big of a matchup. And I, I don't even want to spend time talking about it because it's so embarrassing. But Obviously, this should be an even bigger game than it is. Ohio State's favored right now. If you look at Vegas, we're favored by 19 points. If if Penn State could have just taken care of business against Illinois at home and just squeaked out a win, it could have even been close. The line would be more like 10. You know, it'd be more like Ohio State favored by 10. Um, but because they got embarrassed at home, because they dropped the ball so badly in their home stadium, going to nine overtimes on a public display of how poor their offense was that day, uh, we were looking at this as a top, I think, 15. What is Penn State uh, going into Saturday? They are. 20th. No, they're 20th. Yeah. No, no, this is a this is a top you, 20 matchup. You were okay. off your accurate when you said top 20 matchup. Yeah, yep. it's there. Yeah, it's uh, not great. But now, oh, okay. 
I, I kinda I kinda hate that as far as uh the, the AP goes because I, I don't see how you can drop one game to Iowa and, and only drop three points or three three spots and then you lose one to Illinois and you're almost out of the top twenty five. I think there's worse two lost teams in front of them um on the list. But at this point in the seasons, a lot a lot of time the justification is well, we gotta put them somewhere because there's there's just not that many good teams and you know, that's just gonna keep exposing itself as we get deeper into the season. Obviously, the match of the two undefeated this weekend, Michigan State versus that team up north, um, you know, one of them is walking out with a loss. Harbaugh absolutely needs it, but we're not here to talk about that. Let's cover the rest of uh, Penn State. One of the things to look for on Saturday is Sean Clifford's health, the quarterback over down there at Penn State. He was definitely affected if you saw him uh, play in that Illinois game. Their passing attack was really, really pretty much non-existent for a lot of that game because it seemed like he was just in pain or was not able to throw it uh, in the way that he wanted to. Uh, He said earlier this week that he hopes to be at 100% by Saturday. I don't see a player that was feeling that much pain just a week before being back at 100% just one week later. Um, We'll see. Maybe he proves me wrong. He seems like a tough guy to be back out there. I think he had some fractured ribs, uh, and, and he's been playing with it. Uh, He played with it last week against Illinois. Um, So we'll see how much that's affecting him. Now, if the defensive line does what what they're hoping, and we're hoping that they do, it's not really going to matter, you know, how Sean Clifford plays. Uh, The one difference maker on Penn State's offense is Jahan Dotson, uh, wide receiver for Penn State, number five. If you're watching him on the field, he's 5'11", runs at 184 pounds. He's from Nazareth, Pennsylvania, so he's a home state guy. Ohio State was deep in on this guy's recruitment. I mean, they really wanted him to come to Ohio State. He obviously made the decision to stay home, and he's had a very nice career uh, there for Penn State. Last year uh, was their leading receiver with 52 receptions and 884 yards. Oh, excuse me, yawned. Uh, This year, he, I believe, is still leading their team. He's got 49 catches so far through 2021 with 563 yards through the air and six touchdowns. one of the quotes I sent it to Abram this week, Denzel Burke, obviously the true star standout uh, cornerback for Ohio State, uh, true freshman, I'm sorry, standout for Ohio State, uh, was quoted saying, yeah, you know, Jahan Dotson, he's a, he's a good player, but nothing I can't handle, which I love the confidence. We need to see that in our young quarterbacks. It feels like we haven't had that swagger here in a few years. So uh, definitely look for that matchup there on Saturday, number five, Jahan Dotson um, on Saturday night. Um I mean, other than that, you know, as far as the game goes, uh, Penn State's uh, passing defense is kind of their calling card. Uh, They've got a couple guys who could make it into the NFL at cornerback and at safety. Uh, They got guys who can make interceptions. They got guys that can make plays. All of that to say, they haven't played an offense like Ohio State's to this point. Um, I believe we're ranked in the top 10, we may be third in passing offense uh, in the country, which is a crazy statistic. So as far as talent goes, they haven't seen the receivers that we are walking in there with and kind of the same on their rushing defense. They have an okay rushing defense. I think it's about, uh, it's it's somewhere average. They may be in the fifties or the sixties, I think on the rush. Um, Yet they haven't seen what we've got in Travion Henderson. And obviously just with how well the offensive line has been playing, you have to be pretty confident in the Buckeyes being able to, to go out there and score points. So the difference maker is going to be, can we keep, you know, Penn state down, you know, hopefully maybe 14 or 20 points, you know, total on the board for them. Um, If you can, I think if you can keep Penn state to, 
you know, three scores that this game's going to be a blowout because I don't see Penn State's defense being able to keep Ohio State under 40. Um, any any initial reactions you have just looking at this game on Saturday, Abram? Um, I mean, I, I think in terms of like, I agree. I think uh, I think 40 points is a realistic number. Uh, I, I would just be cautious in terms of Penn State's defense. I, I think uh, I think they're undervalued. I think they have a pretty good linebacker core. Um, and then even even some of their secondary, like uh, Jair Brown and Joey Porter Jr. I mean, they're they're out there just uh, you know doing work. Their their names constantly being called if you watch them on TV. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's accurate in terms of like you know I, I don't see a situation in where they'll be you know their their secondary might be great, but uh, you know when you have three when you have three receivers that are all pretty much the exact same human person out there catching the football it's it's hard to stop and then as soon as you think you have him stopped uh here comes Trevion Henderson and he's about to uh bowling ball you right in the face so yeah not, nothing to see here also Jeremy Ruckert with five receptions last game he's starting <laughs> to heat up and we're getting the tight ends worked into the offense I mean uh I I take this is another thing I sent to you all how deadly just going back to Henderson how deadly Henderson is on a screen pass play is ridiculous when we've got linemen running downfield, just throwing a few blocks for him. I mean, the guy, he, he needs one block and he can take it to the house. So to, you know, on the screen pass plays, when everything's kind of moving and it's a little chaotic, I think that's where he thrives. I think that day's going to keep those in his pocket until he needs them. But yeah, look for Henderson out of the backfield. I mean, he's a difference maker. Obviously he's going to be running the ball quite a bit Saturday, I think, but um, you know, I, I think he's he, he may also catch a couple. So um, with all that, I mean, the other thing from last week, Kate Stover, you, you mentioned it, one reception for 18 yards. I mean, he's averaging near, nearly two first downs a, a catch. So, I mean, really, pure really, athlete. yeah, I mean, just a pure, pure athlete. I mean, he, he's out there just making plays and he's only going to keep getting better. Emeka Mbuka, um, how long has it been, it feels like, Abram, since we've had a kick returner that can make a difference? Par- Par- Paris Campbell that's where my head goes maybe yeah Even before that yeah. yeah I mean yeah really go I mean consistent consi- yeah. I, I, I this guy's consistently uh doing uh take backs and stuff uh you know back to maybe like Ed Ginn like that's yeah. really the last like it's or San Antonio Holmes that era where yep. we just you know cranking them out but like yeah I, that would be great if you could uh if you could take a few back that you know love we're currently we're currently in the i think we're in the top 20 uh nationally for kickoff returns because his average is 30 yards which is pretty crazy like yeah with Jeez. since since the 25 yard uh kneeling rule went into effect we, you know that that number has gone down across the country so for to have a difference maker back there that can potentially take one to the house is a pretty awesome thing and, and it's a spo- i mean we're spoiled on offense I, I don't know if I've ever seen a better Ohio State offense, and I hope that they can keep the ball rolling. Uh, so with all that being said, uh, I'll run through our gambling picks from last week. Uh, Adam's not here to defend himself, but he doesn't need to because he did pretty well. Um, Adam went uh, two and one. He, he was wrong. He took Tennessee in the points uh, plus 25 versus Alabama. Alabama squeaks out a 29-point win <laughs> over Tennessee, uh, so Alabama covers that line. We both took Illinois. Minus 23 points. They win the game outright against Penn State uh, last Saturday, which is maybe the upset of the weekend, I guess, if you want to call it that. But uh, we'll see. And then we both obviously wrote Ohio State versus Indiana. We took the points uh, with our predictions. Uh, so I went 3-0 and last week. Adam 2-1. and 
definitely happy with where we're at at this point in the season. Abram, I ask every guest uh, as we start to wrap up the show here, why don't you give me a score prediction for Saturday? Ohio State is favored by, we'll use the line, 19 and a half points. Um, uh, you need, they need to win by 20 for you to win your money. Okay. Well, that's, that's if, that's if I'm taking, you know, that's if I'm taking, uh, yep. Yep. you know, I, you know, if I, if I think they're going to win by 19 points, um, I, you know, let's, uh, I'm going to be terrible math here, but, uh, let's go, um, let's go 42 to 21. Does that work out? Yeah. 42, 21. And you are in Ohio state's covering. So you are yeah. laying those yeah. points down. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Um, I, I'm right there with you. 42, I think, it is like I can see it on the scoreboard. I could see them slipping in another one at the end to make it 49, which makes it look like a real, you know, butt beaten on our end. But I, th- yeah, I think I'll go with somewhere like that. I'll, I'll, I'll go optimistic because last week I went low. I'll do 49, and I might give Penn State just an extra. I, I, I like your score. I'll do 20. So Ohio State with a 29-point win. Um, that one might get me in trouble, obviously, because we'll see what happens. You know, at the end, Day might pull the starters like he's done the last handful of games. But I will not be complaining if I lose this bet because it means we are well on our way uh, to, to – uh, well, number one, we give Penn State their fifth loss in a row, which I think should be the headline uh, coming out of Saturday's game. If we can get a win out, uh, we will – banish them into the club we've banished every other big 10 team in and the dominance we've had over this conference so <clears throat> with that abram what else, anything else you have to share for the good folks at home um again yeah just uh just I, i'm very superstitious when when it comes to this stuff so um penn state still has everything in front of them yep. uh you know, we're, we're looking to make this 2014 again they're looking to make this 2016 again they're two losses yep. <laughs> everything is still out in front of them if they went out they will have beaten ohio state michigan state and michigan at this point all three very large wins all three would get them into the big 10 championship where they could avenge themselves against iowa or, or you know whoever else yep. but mm-hmm. most likely iowa and then they could be right back in the rose bowl so everything their their best season over the last you know decade and a half is still in front of them potentially like yep. So don't look the other way just because all this other stuff's going on, you know, put it, come on, let, you know, let it be. That, that's, that's what I would say about it. So totally agree. And the beautiful thing about it is Abram, I'll get to see you on Saturday and we're both going to be there in person. I'm as excited about this game as I've been for any game in a very long time uh, to witness with my own eyes. I hope that the red out is a beautiful, the scarlet out is a beautiful scene. We will be documenting it left and right, I'm sure. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at SBS underscore Ohio State uh, to keep up with the live tweeting. We love to utilize that in-stadium Wi-Fi that Gene Smith uh, got the donors to put in there at the shoe. Uh, But with that, thank you for tuning in to another episode please leave us a review. Please shoot us any comments. If you like anything, if you'd like us to improve on anything, just let us know. We love the feedback. Uh, but Abram, thank you for joining us uh, today. It's been an awesome episode. We look forward to hopefully a great game on Saturday night. And for those of you at home, thank you for tuning in once again to another episode of the Silver Bullet Saga. Bullet.